0: This is John Jackson Miller, and you're listening to the Star Wars Canon Podcast. May the Force be with you.
1: There are stories about what happened. It's true. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Star Wars Canon Podcast, Episode 48. I'm your host JG Cars, and joining me today is Stephen Hall. Stephen, how are you doing today?
0: Well, this show is going to be special. We got the Pittsburgh boys doing this show today, so I'm very excited to be here with you tonight.
1: We sure do. Pennsylvania's taken over the podcast this week. You know, we've been trying to rotate it, keep it fresh, give uh, Brian a chance to be able to focus on some other projects for the uh, for the podcast and for the site and things to come. So. Um, very exciting to be here, but yeah, how have you been,
0: you know, I've been busy, but I'm doing well. I've been trying to keep up with the latest and greatest star Wars. And I think, like you said, I think having a podcast with a variety of different hosts, and I know we have a panel of guys here that all are so passionate about star Wars to give us all a chance to kind of rotate in this roster, I think is going to really kind of keep pushing the podcast further with a variety of different voices.
1: I agree. It, it's very exciting because, like, we all have we all come from very different uh, backgrounds. Um, we all uh, started Star Wars at different points, you know. So it's very exciting to have all of our different takes. Um, moving into now, like, what's been going on with Star Wars? Uh, we would normally start with some film news, but there really isn't any. Like, obviously, as we've seen, Star Wars has been putting a big uh, focus on uh, Disney Plus, along with obviously um, the High Republic. Um, so if there was film, we'd, we'd be talking about it. But right now. Um, not too much on that side. But like we said, novels, those are definitely continuing to always be churning out. And this week we got the conclusion of the Alphabet Squadron, Victory's Price. And that came out Tuesday. It's available wherever you can find your books digitally and in bookstores. Uh, Stephen, what are your thoughts about um, this? I know we've been talking about a little way that it, we haven't been able to dive super deep into this book yet. For me personally, I haven't been able to dive into the trilogy as a whole. Um, but what are your initial thoughts so far? Have you been able to touch it yet?
0: Yeah, I did download it. Um, haven't. Do- it came out just, I guess, Tuesday, and we're recording this on Thursday. So I w- I've been a little bit busy with work. I'm going to try to dive in a little bit this weekend with it. I think it's like 16 hours, if I remember correctly. So it's going to take me some time, even on double speed, to kind of work my way through it on the audio book. Um, to be honest, this past weekend, knowing it was coming out and knowing to get ready for it, I actually had to go back and listen to some of Brian's you know, reviews of it and some other YouTube um, recaps of the first two books, because, you know, it's with a year between books and it was just such a hard kind of trilogy to kind of wrap myself in and remember the details and the characters and what happened and where they ended up at the end of the second book. So I did kind of refresh on those this week and I do need to dive into victory's price. So hopefully once um, the rest of the guys, at the podcast here can get caught up, we'll have a chance to discuss that further. I know I was telling you, JG, that You know, I've just been so in love and we talked about it a few weeks ago with High Republic. And so the fact that I almost feel like my High Republic momentum was paused here with this and then with the next announcement we're going to talk about here in a second. It's just, I just want to get right back into that. I can't wait for June for more novels. Um, And I know we'll talk more comics, High Republic, but that's where I really want to spend my time um, and my focus on Star Wars right now. And so to have this as, I don't want to say distraction, I definitely am excited to see how it ends. I think, um, you know, that's one of the things I really liked about the Aftermath trilogy was, you know, the first one was good. I enjoyed it. And then the second one had, you know, some different plot lines and it continued the story. And then once you had the all three parts together, I think it really made the trilogy have more value to it. So I'm hoping this is the same way for Alphabet Squadron. And I hope maybe it'll encourage me to get more into Star Wars Squadrons, because I haven't had a chance to play through all that yet either.
1: Yeah, it's one of those books where I think, because I haven't even been able to get through the first one yet. It's one of those books I think I've tried probably three or four times to get into. And I love Star Wars as a whole. Like, I love stories in Star Wars. So it's not that, it's not like, oh, it's a pilot story. So it's not for me. But it's just, it's a, I think it's a really hard book to get into. Um, for some reason, I just keep trying and keep trying. And I, and I can imagine it's probably an incredible story. Like, I've heard really good things from people who've reviewed it and talked about it. Um, and definitely as a whole, it's probably a really good story. But for some reason, this is the one book in a long while. Um, I know the first one's been out for a little bit, but it's it's really hard to get into.
0: Yeah, it definitely is, because, I mean, I feel like when I mean, don't get me wrong, Alexander Freed, I believe, is the author. He does a really good job of, you know, describing every detail, the cockpit and the space battles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I enjoy, like I said, listening. And, you know, I've said this before to the audiobooks because they do play the music and you get the sound effects. And it's almost like you're watching a Star Wars movie, but just you're listening to it with your eyes closed. Um, it's still it's so much space battle. It's so much action. And there are a lot of really good character moments, too. Don't get me wrong in the first two books. But um, it's not my favorite type of Star Wars book. I still will finish it and I'll still look forward to it. And I'm sure I'll still enjoy it. But um, I guess it's pilots are not my favorite now. With that being said, going back to films, I'm no, you know, with Rogue Squadron coming out, that's something I'm sure we'll just knock our socks off. So oh, yeah. I, I don't have much else to say on off Squadron yet. I hopefully by the next time we record, I'll either be partially through it or hopefully finished by that point.
1: Yep. As soon as all of us uh, get on board with that, we definitely will have a good discussion with that. Because as a trilogy, I imagine there will be a lot to talk about, especially with the third one um, with them connecting um, Hera a lot. Um, I think there's going to be a lot for us who um, enjoy Rebels for us to enjoy uh like we had hinted at and alluded um throne ascendancy greater good which is the second book in the uh, throne ascendancy trilogy um releasing april 27th they released an excerpt on starwars.com wars.com uh steven have you had a chance to check that out and if not are, are you excited for this upcoming book um for throne
0: and i when it comes to the excerpts i know they released these little short chapters and i did a lot even before high republic i I try to avoid them as much as possible. Not that I, I don't, I don't, it's not a spoiler because it's part of the book and it's coming out shortly anyway. Um, but I guess I just, whenever I want to dive into a book, I want to dive into the whole thing and not just have like a little preview, if that makes sense, which is sense. ironic because I do love movie tra- 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 trailers, you know, but <laughs> it's a little different, I guess, with a book. Um, again, I like the third, the first Throne Ascendancy last year, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I do think with what's been alluded to with, you know, in the Soka episode of Mandalorian and whether a Thrawn's going to show up in Ahsoka or in like the culminating Felony verse whatever that's going to look like. Um, I think if you really want to know Thrawn, I think we have got, we're in the middle of a second trilogy right now. So you'll see his earlier days. You'll see his time, you know, during Rebels and leading into, you know, Rogue One period. So there is a lot of Thrawn story to be told. And um, again, I, I didn't read the excerpt, but I'm looking forward to reading the full book in, in just about a month or so.
1: Yeah, the first one was really well written, like it's probably was like one of my favorite books that had come out in a while, um, obviously right before all the High Republic content. Um, but there was just something about throne Ascendancy, um, the first one, where it was just, it felt completely different. And the structure of it with how they were uh, explaining the government of the Chiss gave me Game of Thrones vibes. It was uh, something that I actually like, I want more chess story. Like I want more chess culture. Like give me a show that's all about the chess. And so I think um, with the second book and eventually the third, um, I think we're going to get more of that. And I think it's going to be really exciting. Any other fun thoughts on our good old boy Thrawn?
0: You know what? He, I had never read the Legends Thrawn. So this is the only Thrawn I do know is from Rebels and from these now, I guess four books that have been released coming out soon with a fifth one. And so I just can't wait to see where his character arc goes. And then hopefully by the time next year rolls around and we get the end of this trilogy, I would love to then reread some of the o- other ones again that I missed or not that yeah. I missed that I haven't read in a while. And then rewatch Rebels because I feel like once you know his whole story, you can even appreciate the way that he thinks. He's such a great tactician, such a mm-hmm. great character, I think. And I can't wait. And it sounds like we're going to get live action at some point, And I can't wait to oh, see yeah. how that's portrayed.
1: Definitely. It's only a matter of time before we get our guy in blue in the live action screen.
0: Yeah. But let us know if you're listening, tell us which of these books you're most looking forward to, or if you're already started off with Squadron, you know, leave a comment, tell us what stands out to you and kind of give the other audience members kind of something to look forward to.
1: Definitely. Yeah. We also have a Discord, so it's a great place to um, stop on by and talk about it. Um, Everything's broken down in different channels, so even if you haven't read it yet, you could actually, there's parts for spoilers and non-spoilers, so you could definitely join in the conversation. It is a great place um, to talk with us hosts, along with other fans of the podcast. Um, Moving along with, actually, literature, uh, comics. Comics have been doing really well as well, Um, specifically High Republic. We're in the middle of that. Um, The third issue of the main Marvel came out this week, along with uh, High Republic Adventures 2. I personally have not checked it out, but I'm very excited for them. Uh, Stephen, you have. So uh, give us your non-spoiler thoughts. We know you're very into The High Republic. What's your thoughts about the comics?
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, we had this big campaign kickoff in the beginning of 2021 with these novels and young adults and middle-age readers, we've got, we had such a kind of a big start to it. And then the fact that knowing we have to wait till June to kind of get the continuation in the novel form, just to have these monthly short stories, you know, they're 20 some pages long and getting a chance to visually see the characters that you're reading about and seeing little cameos in the background, seeing, um, you know, the fact that it's like leaves you on a cliffhanger. It's a serialized format. I do love that for both of these titles. You know, I've been reading all of the IDWs, um, going back to when they restarted with star Wars a couple years ago. And, they are typically the IDWs are going to be more geared towards your younger middle school um, age. Don't you agree, JG? Yes. 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 And, but these ones are something different. They feel a lot more adult. They um, really give you a chance to explore some, you know, darker themes a little bit. And it's been really nice. Like I know it's only the second issue, but you're seeing certain character um, traits start to develop in the young Padawans and even in their mentors, including Yoda, and one character in particular that I really am enjoying, Buckets of Blood. He's the same type of Jedi that um, Masa was. I'm sorry, I'm mm-hmm. blanking on the species, but he was the same uh, species. And just when you start to see, like, he has this nickname, Buckets of Blood, but it doesn't imply kind of what you might think. Like, wait till you read it, because you really get the chance to know his inner thinking process. And again, it takes it more to an adult level that kids can enjoy still, of course. Um, with Higher Republic number 3 from Marvel, again... We're seeing Avar Chris, who plays a big role in the main Light of the Jedi novel. We are seeing um, other characters, again, pop up. And it's going into some really dark places again Mm. with the dark side. We're seeing, I'm so glad, like, there's obviously a strategy. You know that they're communicating because um, certain plot points and maybe characters from Into the Dark start to Mm. tie in now with issue three. And like, this had to come out after that book or you would have been a little bit confused. So not, not necessarily confused. You could still read just the Marvel comics and get a great story. But man, if you know some more things that are happening in the universe around the same time, it really pays off. And I'm so glad like this is a finally this crossover event that multiple platforms I've been waiting for.
1: That sounds exciting. Like, oh my God. Now I, get, now I want to go read it now. Like, that, I think that's what is, is, is High Republic is doing so well is the connectivity of it all. The fact that you can go from the book To then a comic, to then even like a middle grade comic, to a middle grade book, it all intertwines, and I think that's something that as this goes on and on and on, we're gonna look back and have this huge like collection. We're gonna need a bookshelf for the High Republic by the time that this is all done, and I I can't I cannot wait. Especially I've been wanting I don't read any of the uh, the Star Wars Adventure Comics, but the High Republic obviously wanting to get all of it and hearing buckets of blood like. I keep hearing so much about that character. And so I think uh, that character is, I'm just in general, the whole concept. I'm very excited for that. Uh, Any other final thoughts about the High Republic comics?
0: No, you know, they just both kind of ended on a cliffhanger. I mean, Mm. you get to see not just the hero's point of view, you get to see the villain's point of view, like we saw in some of the other novels. So it really leaves you wanting more for the next month. And um, I think, you know, kind of going off of that one last thing is, You know, the Star Wars Insider is also releasing, not a comic, but it's a monthly, in their articles, a short story. I'm talking like three to four pages. It's not a lot, but um, they've done two so far. And I know this would kind of fall into the novel category, but definitely worth checking out. Um, I think the 200th issue of a Star Wars Insider just came out in February, and that was the second, or yeah, that was the second short story. So we should be getting another one, hopefully, in the next couple weeks here.
1: Definitely. And uh, the High Republic is going to continue back up. Uh, full swing in June and we are very excited for that Uh, and finally with uh, the final little piece of comic for us is uh next Wednesday Star Wars the 2020 uh run that they're doing uh issue 12 is set to release uh next Wednesday um so if you're following that uh from my knowledge it's following um after episode five um I've I've never really been a big comic person I read from time to time I don't follow it Uh, is that something that you've been uh, getting into Stephen or something not yet
0: Definitely, because um, what's interesting here is, and I'm thinking about this, you know, we had a three-year time gap between four and five. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just pulling up my comiXology. There were 80 issues of the Star Wars mainline interwoven with multiple different Darth Vader stories and Dr. Aphra at that point. Um, And I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but those are the main lines. And now here, we've got one-year gap between um, Empire and Return of the Jedi. And so you you wouldn't imagine it's going to go a full 80 issues because that was over the course of a three-year span. Now, I've been really enjoying this. They've had some really great arcs so far. I know we're only on issue 12. And I think Brian and JG, or Brian and Richard last week, excuse me, they mentioned the the big announcement of this um, crossover event with all the comics yes. and this Marvel uh, Bounty Hunter War coming out in on May the 4th. And so um, that's this is leading right into it. And You know, seeing the Rebels on the run spread out across the galaxy, unable to communicate. And again, I don't want to spoil why, but when you get a chance to catch up on these, they're worth your time. It's a really great arc. And, you know, surprisingly, they even focus on Poe Dameron's parents and how they played into all this at this time period. Um, We're seeing Leia's kind of reflecting back on Han. It's different because, you know, Han played such a big role in the original Star Wars comic line between four and five, and he can't hear except if you have a couple of little flashbacks. <laughs> um, my favorite character of this line so far, I think has to be a combination of Lando and Lobot. And I was always fascinated, you know, the Lando Lobot arc that happened. If you had a chance to read that short five issue arc, yes. this kind of picks up a little bit on that. And like their, <laughs> their relationship, their friendship. Um, and just seeing where Lando's mindset is now, probably again, only probably a couple of weeks after Empire versus where we know he needs to be by the time we see him in Jabba's palace at the beginning of return of the Jedi. Um, definitely worth a read and knowing that it's going to tie in with all Afra with Vader, with bounty hunters and the bounty hunter war. Um, I highly recommend it. I can't wait to see where it goes from here.
1: You hooked me, like, you hooked me in general, but also like Poe Dameron's parents, like as someone who really enjoys the sequel trilogy for what they are, getting any additional connection and any more story about the sequel. Like, I, I, again, now I want to go download it. Like, I want to see that. So that is very interesting. Um, I did not expect that. Actually, I, I had not heard that from anyone. So that's, was that in this most recent one or has that been building up? His parents? Yeah.
0: Um, They've actually, so they were in a couple of issues at the end of the original Star Wars line, again, between, because yeah. they actually helped set up Echo Base in the canon story. And then- Whenever it picks back up, what's been fascinating is, um, if you remember from, I think it was Shattered Empire, um, Poe's mom, I think, I can't remember her name, Cass, maybe, she is an A-wing pilot, if I Mm -hmm. remember correctly. And the dad's more of, like, the technician, like, on the ships. Okay. And so what's interesting is there was recently an issue, maybe, I don't know, nine or ten recently, where Mm -hmm. um, the mother was out on this mission with a couple other pilots, like, on a scouting mission. And they get split up from the rest of the rebellion. And you should see Poe's dad's reaction because he can't do anything. He's not a pilot. He's stuck, you know, with, you know, Leia and Luke who are on this, like, you know, main ship, the flagship. And they are, he's separated from his wife. So that's kind of where we're at a little bit in this timeline as well right now. And just seeing like how their character motivations and you can kind of see some of the characteristics that Poe will inherit from his parents as well
1: sign me up i'm ready to read <laughs> well for that uh we're gonna be moving now into tv uh, the movie news is definitely dry as the desert of tatooine but let me tell you the tv news is flowing like the lakes of nagu because there is so much news
0: that's a um, perfect I <laughs> analogy i love it
1: <laughs> right um i don't have this actually in the notes, but i do because i just got a notification for this um i do want to say because um In regards to um, everyone who's worked on the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars, um, there's been so many different nominations for different awards and such. So huge shout out and congratulations. It's well-deserved. They just, I keep getting notifications over and over throughout the whole week for different awards, uh, costumes, technical, writing, you name it. You know, eventually they're gonna get those Emmy uh, nominations as well when those start coming out and uh, it's well-deserved. These shows are killing it. And we know that Star Wars is gonna keep getting those um, nominations. So a huge shout out to um, everyone who works on those shows. I agree um,
0: because think about it. Like like you said, they're being so recognized for all their hard work. And I mean, think of it this way. Like I know we're not a Star Wars podcast, but I'm really enjoying WandaVision as well. Like Disney yes. Plus productions are so cinematic and they are so worth waking up early on a Friday like I do to make sure I see it before it gets <laughs> spoiled. And it's one of those things where um, I'm excited. Like, here I am. We're recording this Thursday at 8 o'clock. I'm excited that in a couple hours, I'm gonna my alarm's going to go off. I'm getting out of bed to watch <laughs> the latest Disney Plus show, whatever it is. Exactly. I would rather have, and I know we have like 10 different Star Wars shows coming out in the pipeline. I would rather have a weekly, you know, half hour of amazing Star Wars content than, because you're talking about it all year. Like, here we are still discussing Mandalorian, getting ready for Book yeah. of Boba, and eventually we'll have hopefully something each quarter of the year. I'd rather have that kind of constant buildup constant excitement of weekly than waiting three years for a two-hour movie do you understand what i'm saying
1: oh definitely i think it's because like you're able to then have that conversation i think it also goes to the argument of where netflix likes to drop um a whole season at once versus disney plus has been doing um for the most part um i don't think there has been a show yet um but they've been doing weekly installments and i think that allows the suspense that allows the discussion and the hype and that allows people to come together you could do reaction shows or whatever, and you have that office cooler talk. And I think that was that's what makes these shows—they're they, now events. Friday is an event. Like you go on Twitter, you go to the office, and you're talking about that that uh, Disney Plus show, whether it be The Mandalorian or One Division, or soon it's going to be the uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. And I think I think it's really cool. I think it's something um, exciting that Disney Plus has done. I think also it's interesting because I think Star Wars, for the most part, has uh, in regards to their films have got pretty snubs for the most part for awards. Um, so it is really cool just to see um, a lot of hard work and talent get recognized that it should get.
0: For sure, for sure.
1: So we had a lot of news, like I had said, um, for TV. Um, so starting out, um, according to Deadline, uh, Indira Varma is set to join the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, they had reported this. There's really no information other than she's joining. Um, she actually played Ellaria Sand in Game of Thrones alongside Pedro Pascal. So that's a cool connection. And then also more Game of Thrones alumni uh, joining. And again, there's no details on who she could be playing. So what are your initial thoughts on this? And maybe any, uh, any uh, theory on who she could be playing?
0: Yeah, embarrassingly enough, I think whatever article I first saw this news on, it had a picture of the two characters um, from Game of Thrones, Ola- Elaria Sand and, and Mortel, um, um, yes. Oberyn. And so my first immediate thought before I finally processed the timeline was, oh my gosh, they're going to have a reunion. But then that doesn't make sense <laughs> with the timeline. So um, that's fine. I really, I'm trying to think like, again, we don't know how much of this show, is it going to be 90% on Tatooine? Is it going to be 75? Mm-hmm. We don't know where, how much she's going to be on Tatooine. If, if she's a main character and we're assuming maybe most of it's going to be on Tatooine, is she another, you know, someone that he comes into contact with on Tatooine that maybe plays a role? We know, you know, I keep thinking, you know, um, oh, help me out. help me out, a brain fart. What's um, his his uh, from Clone Wars, his character that he was had a love interest with possibly. Oh, uh, uh, Satine. Satine. Yeah. Sorry. That's just Satine. Yeah. So we know that while he never really acted on his, you know, physical side of love, he didn't really get involved with Satine. We know he loved her and we saw that whenever Maul killed Satine. Um, So could she be someone, I mean, if he's cutting himself off from the force, if we're thinking if there's any chance that he's acting similar to what we saw Mm -hmm. of Luke in last Jedi, could she be someone that he finds companionship with? Again, it doesn't have to be romantic, but definitely someone that he has an attachment to. And then heaven forbid, what if something happens to her? Because that's, we're not, you're not going to get a happy ending all the time in star Wars. You know, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? Where do you see, this actress going in the Kenobi?
1: Yeah, it's really hard because I think we all envisioned Kenobi being a show about pretty much uh, a guy that is going through um, a lot of trauma um, and being pretty much, um, I don't want to say sitting by the campfire, but like pretty much for the most part, staying on Tatooine. And like, I think a lot of us had that idea. And so the fact that we now know that he's going to have an encounter with Vader, you know, more than likely he's going to leave the planet to some degree. I think this opens up that she could be anyone, and it's like it's not like that. Also, that she like looks strikingly like any character that we know. It's just not like, oh, that—that's who that is. Um, she is an amazing actress. I haven't seen anything else she is in, but I do remember very uh, fondly in uh, Game of Thrones that she uh, really was really good in her role. Um, I remember the character very vividly. Um, so I think that she's gonna be a very uh, very good fit. Um, uh, a companion role to Kenobi would be really interesting, um, especially if it was to end up tragic. I think that's like almost like Obi-Wan's, uh, his poor fate in this universe. It's just to keep losing people over and over and over, um, yet being so selfless and protecting and serving. Um, I, it's, it's so hard. Um, being the fact that we really don't know what Kenobi is up to,
0: and she, you don't rule out the possibility. She could be a, you know, motion capture droid. She could be an alien. Like, we don't know if we're even going to see her yeah, face, you know?
1: Exactly. She, it could also be a flashback. Like, I think it's been hinted at a lot that there's going to be flashbacks to the Clone Wars. She could be playing a Clone Wars character. So I think, regardless, it's a great add. Um, Hopefully it does stay through because obviously when it's so early, being the fact that it is deadline, though, definitely adds some um, credible source to it. Uh, but things can change. But hopefully she is able to... Uh, Stick along with the project. Any other thoughts on that, Stephen?
0: Nope, looking forward to her. I enjoyed her in Game of Thrones. Like you said, I think the Star Wars casting is picking some really talented actors across the board. They're giving them a chance to shine. And, you know, they realize that there are people like you and I who do watch Game of Thrones who then will look forward to seeing these actors and talk about them because we already have that built in fan base, if you know what I mean.
1: Exactly. Well, Obi-Wan was also uh, in the news again, but this time it's actually the character and not the show. According to Illuminati, they had a scoop and a rumor. I would say that this is at this point, just a rumor, Um, but Obi-Wan Kenobi will be having a reoccurring role in the Andor series. Um, So I also looked it up because TV shows like to use a lot of technical terms like limited series, uh, things like that. And I like Googled, what is a recurring character? And according to Google, a recurring character is a supporting character or a fictional character, usually in prime TV series, who frequently appears from time to time during a series run. Uh, recurring characters often play major roles in more than one episode, sometimes being the main focus. And we do know Andor's going to be a season one or it's going to have 12 episodes. So uh, what's your thoughts on uh, possibly Kenobi showing up? Do you think that this is credible? Um, and how big of a role do you think he would if he is to show up?
0: Yeah, in our group chat, we know we've talked a lot about how this idea of the Filoni versus we've kind of coined it here, this idea that we see multiple shows spinning off of each other coming together. I mean, if you're looking at the same time period, we, you know, Disney has seen such success with, again, their Marvel, where you get these characters that just pop up for a couple of minutes or, you know, have a, they might be a guest star in one movie and then in the next one, whatever. If they've seen success with this and the fans look forward to seeing these character growths. I mean, sure, if it's at the same time period, even I'm um, we know Andor's filming. So Andor's going to come out before Kenobi anyway. So yeah. if it introduces us, reintroduces us to Kenobi with and McGregor, um, sure. I think, I, again, I don't want to see him in every episode. I don't think <laughs> that's really, it's not a force sensitive show. It's going to be more of our no. espionage. It's going to be more of our undercover show. Um, and I don't want to steal your thunder. You had a good comment in the chat box about, or in our chat before this about someone else important that he knows that's probably going to play a role to go ahead and share your thoughts.
1: Yeah. My whole thought was like, when I saw this, I was like, Oh, and then I was like, Oh, for me, this makes a lot of sense. I actually, I think this is going to happen. I think this is a no brainer for me personally. I think um, we do know Bill Organa has a huge connection to uh, Kenobi literally in Rogue One, which Andor is a spinoff of Rogue One. In Rogue One, Mon Mothma talks to Bale and is like, are you talking to your Jedi friend? Well, that's Kenobi. We know that because of the end of Revenge of the Sith. And I think if we're to bridge all these separate dots and we're able to connect, well, how does Andor connect to Kenobi? Well, Andor is a is a major spy and a major agent of the Rebellion, which Bale is a major uh, player in that. And even though he is taking a major uh, backseat, like, or he's running in the Senate, um, he's doing all that stuff, even though that is happening, Bale is just as much a forefather of this rebellion he definitely is probably not the face like Mon Mothma is um because he can't do that because of his family but Bale is still just as important um he's just not visible and he would have that friendship with Kenobi and he is going to know Andor and I think that's going to connect the two and um I was thinking about like what would really like why would we have Kenobi though like what is Bale talking to Kenobi about Well, we know that Kenobi in the Kenobi series is going to be, he's going to have that duel with Vader. Well, what if the Rebellion were very young and they start hearing about this ghost, this new threat that they don't know what it is. They hear about the horror stories of a red lightsaber. Well, what if maybe Andor is responsible for trying to, during the first season, get more information about Vader? And, well, Bale knows the source who has really good intel. I think that that could be, Fascinating and really interesting, and in how you can see Andor having to go behind lines and sneaking around trying to find out information about Vader, who for a lot of the galaxy is a ghost. But I think I think that could be very interesting.
0: Yeah, I like your thought because what if you know, if Cassie and Andor towards the end of that season finds out that there is Vader and just hearing that word that Obi-Wan might already recognize from the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like, what if we already enter Obi-Wan and he already is aware of his former apprentice still being alive, not dead on the sands of Mustafar mm. like he thought. Very fascinating stuff. I was, while you were talking, I was trying to look because I keep thinking too, maybe it's not just Obi-Wan. What if we also could see Ahsoka? Like if they really wanted to cross things yes. over and yes. you have Ahsoka cast, because let's think about it. If you, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, I was trying to find for just for clarification, we know Ahsoka is a fulcrum, one of these. Yes. And I think Cassie Andor was. So there we go. That's an easy connection right there. And it connects
1: Ahsoka to Kenobi even.
0: Now hear me out. It's crazy, you know, casting (laughs) here. We know we have Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka in that time line or that time period. What if we get Ashley Eckstein playing the younger Ahsoka? I mean, it's not that far removed, but I don't know. It's It's... not going to happen.
1: They probably would keep Rosario being the fact that they signed her to a contract. But if the reason why they don't have Ashley playing her older is because they have her playing younger
0: mm.
1: i think that would make a lot of fans happy um i don't i would probably say that's a 10 percent likelihood of happening yeah but if it does happen man would that have been the biggest like redemption story and everything and uh, i couldn't even imagine what that'd be like for ashley if that is the case like yeah, keeping that secret <laughs> granted she's kept a, yeah. a lot of big secrets but man that that makes sense it's fulcrum. It's all like that. There's that period is so rich with so much connections and a lot of things they've set up but haven't explored. And so I, I know a lot of people are exhausted from that in between three and four. I just, there is something about Andor um, being the spy espionage show because he's not obviously looking about the Death Star because that's Rogue One. So we obviously have to have some missions and intel it's a spy show, he's got to be finding intel and spies about something. Um, So uh, I think there's a lot of uh, missions that we have yet to see that we will get to see. Any other thoughts?
0: Um, You know what? I think you touched on everything I was going to say. I think just the idea of seeing Obi-Wan there, and I think it's going to really change the way, once we get the full Andor, we get the full Obi-Wan, going back and watching Rogue One and A New Hope, seeing old Ben Kenobi with knowing his background that's now canon, knowing what he's gone through, and knowing the same thing about Cassian Andor when we see him more in Rogue One, I really can't wait. I think this is going to really flesh out this time period and really enhance the way you look at the original trilogy.
1: You think we're getting more than one season of Andor? Yeah.
0: Yes, because from my understanding, they keep talking about Alan Tudyk coming back as K2SO, but they said they first said he was going to be in it. And then they made an announcement he's not going to be in season one. Um, So that makes me feel like at least two seasons. But mm-hmm. you can't do too much because, again, you're before Rogue One, and yeah. that was 2018, so they filmed it in or, no, that was 2016, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. So, that was five years ago. They probably filmed it six years ago, so mm-hmm. um, you got to do it before Diego Luna um, keeps aging up, but definitely, I think, at least two seasons. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely they have a lot, they could play with time a lot um, because I think they could fill up episodes in time with backstory, um they've obviously already have hinted at that um you know he's been saying i've been fighting in this war ever since whatever the amount is um and uh, i think we're gonna fill up a lot with backstory a lot of backstory for the character um i think season one's gonna have a lot of backstory actually um but i think this could this be potential to a good i think i could say a good three four seasons with this um if they do 12 episodes probably around like three um it just depends on thinking on how they uh, play with time. Uh, it's Star Wars; they've been getting more adventuresome with that, um, with flashbacks and such. Uh, I think there is enough secret projects of the Empire for them to explore if they want to, and enough supporting characters to build in to um, stretch the story without it being um, too long. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think we're gonna we're definitely gonna see Mon Mothma. We're gonna maybe see Force yep. Whitaker pop up again. Saga, rare, you never know. And I think it would be in line with the timeline of, you know, right there with where Rebels kind of ended with a couple years leading into Rogue One with that little gap there. So I think, you know, maybe characters like Harrison Dula, which is a nice segue to where we're headed to next.
1: Definitely. So according to Latino Review Media, LRM, which is actually another uh, reputable uh, rumor source uh, where they get scoops and such, um, they reported that Harrison Dula may, emphasis on the word may, uh, replace Cara for the Rangers of the New Republic series. Um, that, to me, seems like a no-brainer. What about you, Steven?
0: Yeah, so she's a character that, you know, has already developed through the canon, whether it be in novels, mm-hmm. video games, and, of course, Rebels. And if the more characters they bring into live action, the more, because I hate to say it, as strong as Clone Wars and Rebels are that you and I both know, there are many people that are hesitant to watch all these seasons, even if they're streaming for free on Disney Plus right now or not free, but they're on Disney Plus. And it's yeah. one of those things where like, like, I feel like I remember reading somewhere when Ahsoka popped up in Mandalorian, the number of people like the viewership for Clone Wars and Rebels spiked that week and yes. the going forward. If you start bringing in more of these characters, which are rumored to appear in the Ahsoka show, or maybe now in the Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah, it's going to spike. My only thing is, if they had plans for Cara Dune and to really build her up for the first couple seasons of Mandalorian, you need to make sure Hera starts getting into season three of Mandalorian right now. That way, because we know that's coming out before you got your rangers, probably who knows when. If we start reintroducing her and showing her role in this, um, we're definitely going to really build her up as one of the hopefully the leads. I think I buy into it. I I think it would be a good decision on their part.
1: Definitely. I think it, I almost feel like even with Kara Dune being in the picture out of the picture I feel like Hera should be a part of the show it just makes sense to me um we know that Rangers of the Republic to some degree involves like pilots and x-wings and things like that to some degree that's Hera like we look at the how she plays into the Alphabet Squadron trilogy I obviously haven't read into it but I know she's a major part of that she's in squadrons like yes (laughs) It, it, I think it's more how significant of a role she is I think she honestly like yeah you're gonna put her in there but I think now because of the absence of Cara Dune, I think you can now um put a bigger role on Hera and have Hera fill a bigger role and that way because um I think I was reading I don't remember where I was reading I don't know if it was on um Latina Review but they said that now you don't have to introduce a new character's backstory if you want the backstory of Hera go watch Rebels it, it's all there you know go read um New Dawn is that the book
0: Yep. New Dawn was the first canon novel with her and Kanan. And so we have her backstory. We know from a young age what she's been through. We've seen her at her prime right there, going from Captain Syndulla all the way up to General Syndulla. We know that she fought at the Battle of Endor. We know, you know, just seeing her
1: father even. Yeah,
0: Jam has played a big role. And you know what? I was talking to another friend of mine about this. You know, imagine if she's the lead character. This would be one of our first times where a lead character is an alien. And that's something that Star yeah. Wars, I think, when you're in a galaxy with so many diverse characters and aliens and species, make, um, make her the lead. Because that gives you a chance to really show diversity. I'm not talking human diversity. I'm saying you've got so many creatures, use yeah. them. And that's one thing my friend has been mentioning over and over again with me. We need to see more diversity with these characters and these creatures. And that would be awesome to see her. And like you said, her background's there if you want to read it or see it. I it's think fair. easy move to bring her into the spotlight.
1: A lot of fans have been saying that, like, and, and I think it would be huge. I think it, it it would be a risk, but it also wouldn't be too big of a risk. I think I think because I think Hera is such a beloved character, and I think some people, I think you think about Hera, but you forget she has spoilers for Rebels. She has a son. She has Jason. We haven't seen anything. We know Jason is alive. We know Jason exists, and he's in that ship with his mom at the uh, in the, in the epilogue. Sh- show us him if if, if haran is alive i want to see jason flying a ship in uh, in rangers like he could show up depending on like time and age and everything like, well let's know. say
0: if if she was pregnant you know right when kanan died which was i don't know a year or two before yeah. rogue one a new hope and this is like six or seven years later i mean he's almost 10 years old at this point um and you know his dad was a freaking jedi so maybe we've got some force sensitivity coming to this side again You know, maybe Luke's, Grogu's not the only one Luke's going to go find.
1: (laughs) It's just, it's like, I've always, I've been wondering, because I know that character was there kind of be like, oh, like, you know, to give a little bit more importance to like Kanan's sacrifice and like the legacy of Kanan. But like, they haven't done anything with that yet.
0: And I remember reading after that episode, an interview with Filoni like years ago when this aired. And Mm -hmm. he said, like, I threw that in there. And, you know, we'll see where the story goes. I remember someone mentioned, whether it was the story group or someone at Lucasfilm, they've been bouncing around ideas for that character. And now it's been a couple of years since Rebels ended. Now's the perfect time to bring in this, again, yeah. half human, half Tabruda, yeah. Well, maybe, and who knows, maybe they were going to do like, it for it. that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: Maybe, maybe they were going to do that with the, uh, the supposed alleged animated uh, Rebels sequel. But now that they're transitioning to live action, he could definitely show up. And I think- like we said, like, a character, his dad was a Jedi, his mom is, like, one of the best pilot, arguably the best pilots in the galaxy. Like, even if he's not, like, super, like, Anakin strong, or even Grogu strong in the Force, he probably has a, a little bit there, but he's gonna be a gosh darn good pilot, and I think um, that's a new character. Like, that's a completely new character that you can introduce us fans to, but because of his parents, like, there's that safe backstory, and I think why not? Plus, you 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 also tickle the little happy fans for the uh, the legends because J- of how they spell Jason, being the fact that it's spelled as Jason Solo. Jason Sol- yeah, that yeah. Okay, I'm very not familiar with Legends, but um, I I think J- I think that would be exciting is to get Hera and her son.
0: Well, let's just not stop there because again, if the rumors are to believe be believed mm-hmm. in the Ahsoka show, you're getting your Ezra, you're getting your Thrawn, and you're getting your Sabine. If yep. Hera and Chopper, who's probably with Hera, are on the Ghost, which would be awesome to see more of in live action, are on this Rangers of the New Republic. That really leaves Zeb. And again, Zeb could even pop up as a recurring character, whether it's on Rangers or on Mandalorian. like He'd be a cool character no matter where you put him, because again, just the design and how that was like the original Chewbacca design by Ralph McQuarrie, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that'd be cool to see in live action um, Zeb. um, And just seeing all these characters, like you said, this was I bet they're kind of cherry picking some of the storylines they were going to do in a animated uh, sequel wow. series to Rebels. And now we're finally maybe going to get to see these plot lines finished out. You
1: know, if we're going to go, we're, if we're, we're going to do this, let's, let's go full force. If we're going to get Zeb, let's get Kallus. Yeah. yeah, let's get Kallus. Like, and the way they
0: left their, you know, relationship, the two of them, the friendship there. Like, mm-hmm. I want to see, because like, uh, one of my favorite episodes, I know we're getting off task, but when they were <laughs> in that cave and the two of them started, yes. when Callis started changing his viewpoints and questioning his decisions, he had such character growth that I was not expecting when I first met him. He was a jerk the yes. first season. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. And like now to even then have that payoff, have all that huge depth of that character. Um, Wait, wasn't then- he a
0: Falcrum t- Fulcrum too? <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. He was. was. Well, he was because he did because
1: because whenever thrawn like goes to like discovers him he's like doing that whole secret code thing and he it has the fulcrum logo you're, you're right, right.
0: Mm-hmm. so there's another fulcrum bring him on in
1: it all connects yep Th- they know what they're doing they they you can have a lot of frustration with how things have been on the past but i think moving forward they're realizing the importance and the significance of having a planned Set for for the future and for storytelling, and I think we're starting to see the very beginning of what they have in store for us. Well, that was that was a wild ride. Um, we would also normally talk about video games here, but there is right now no video game news. We're waiting for that Lego uh, Star Wars Skywalker uh, news. We're waiting. They said spring. We don't know if there's going to be delays with all the COVID lockdown in London and everything. So um Republic Commando a lot of good stuff coming and there's probably a lot of stuff that we don't even know about but uh definitely keep your eyes on video games as soon as they drop more news we'll definitely be talking about it but as we uh end with the final bit of the show we're going to be taking some questions that you guys have sent us um mailbag um you can actually send us your mailbag questions at at female.com. there'll be a little uh little link down in the uh, comments of the description of the video um, or you could actually, again, join our Discord. There's actually a place where you could actually send the mail back questions. Um, Brian collects them, and uh, we uh, answer them. So we actually have four today. Um, they're really good. Um, we're really excited to dig in. It. So first, we have it from Erica Kane. Thank you so much, Erica. Uh, they say, what's up, Star Wars Canon Podcast? I absolutely love you guys and your positivity. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Uh, I know it will never happen, but I was wondering if, you guys would ever want to see Star Wars cross over with any other universe, like Marvel, DC, Star Trek, anything like that. Uh, what are your thoughts, Stephen, on a on a crossover?
0: No. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> I am sorry. I love when my Marvel does its crossovers in Marvel. Mm-hmm. I love – I've watched every single episode of Star Trek. I love when they do the crossovers there. Mm-hmm. Keeps, keep those separate. Do your Marvel <laughs> in one corner, Star Trek, Star Wars. Keep them separate. I – I how, I know I recently didn't Kevin Feige over at Marvel. He got the same question and he said, Nope, we're going to keep them separate because as much as you could imagine it being like the biggest movie of all time, I don't want to see that. I really, it doesn't fit. It's not the same. I'm sorry. What do you think?
1: No, <laughs> no. It, it Like there's like so many like things that it would be interesting, but it just would not be good. It would not make sense. It would break it. It would just, yeah no it just it just wouldn't work and and Star Wars is one of those things where it's just it's in its own bubble it it can't it doesn't play nice with other franchises and what I mean by that is like it has its own set of rules its own characters and species and just the way the Star Wars it's it's one thing for like MCU for example to cross over with X-Men for example because they kind of play nice together I mean they obviously were meant to be from the beginning but like MCU and Star Wars, it just doesn't work. Now, I want to play devil's advocate though for, uh, for Erica. If it was, what franchise would you want it to? Let's say you had no choice. There was what it was gonna. It was gonna cross over with one. What which one would you want it to be?
0: I guess if I had to pick anything for it to cross over with, I guess I'd have to go Marvel. Just for the simple facts, because I mean, I'm sure you've seen the memes where it's like when Tom Holland or uh, Peter Spider-Man, excuse me, in Civil War is uh, spinning around big ant-man and you know he's making that reference to the old movie and it's empire strikes back and then you also have to think like you've got thor who is in you know relationship with natalie portman and then you also have (laughs) spider-man who's such a big fan and there's nick fury and mace windu so like if i had to i guess i would have to say just seeing star wars and marvel you know last but again i i don't see it happening don't want it to happen but if i had to what about you what would you say
1: uh, I actually was thinking about this because I was like, I, I, I never would want this. But like, if I had to pick something, because I was like, I have to pick something for the fun of it, I was really thinking hard. And um, I know a lot of people will think like MCU or DC or things like that. I went a little bit deeper and I thought about one of my favorite franchises and I thought Doctor Who. Because I think that, <laughs> Doctor Who is a show where I guess if if anything was ever to cross over, maybe Doctor Who, because there's a lot of connections with actors and also, just the whole the time travel and the whole just wibbly wobbly, timey wimey There we go. All the different galaxies, and just yeah, I think if any of the franchises that I love, it's Doctor Who that could do it. And uh, Sonic Screwdriver Lightsaber, yes, please. Uh, Jody Whitaker as Avar oh. Chris, yes, please. Um, oh. yeah, and then
0: just seeing like Weeping Angels, seeing the silence, like some of those creatures mm-hmm. on Doctor Who could easily fit into the world of Star Wars, just their design yes. aesthetic for sure.
1: Definitely. I also had yeah. thought about um, not necessarily with the characters per se, but I also thought it would be fun. And this is just—I um, would say the *The Walking Dead*. I, obviously, we love that franchise, Stephen and I. Um, but just have like a zo- like similar to, I guess, the Genosans, um in the *Clone Wars*. But to have like a full, like th- like a planet with like a zombie outbreak in *Star Wars* would be very fun. Um, it's one of my favorite um, genres and storytelling.
0: Hey, JG. Make sure okay. you read the latest Star Wars, Marvel, High Republic comic.
1: <laughs> that's All, all right. Yep. All right. I'm going to go read that after this, guys. Yep. <laughs> um, definitely, though, like we want to hear from you. This is something that's crazy. This is we know that this is not going to happen. But what is a franchise that you would want to see crossover just for the fun of it? Like, let us know in Discord or in the comments. Like, it's fun. Like, have fun with it. Um, but again, thank you, Eric, for, uh, for the question. It was a really great question uh will larson says hello there brian and crew my name is will i was hoping you guys would shed some light on why no one could sense padme being pregnant if the twins she was pregnant with were so powerful with the force i love your show and can't wait for the website to go live it's going to be awesome yes it is thank you so much will so what about what about the twins what about the twins steven
0: So we are, you know, at the end of a three-year bloody war that's been, you can document it over, that took, you know, seven seasons to watch here. But the Jedi are spread thin. I don't think they're as focused on the politics or the politicians Mm -hmm. at this point because they're all spread out around the galaxy. Like, think about Revenge of the Sith or even the end of Clone Wars. You know, very rarely are they all in the same room together. They are spread out to all edges of the galaxy. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, too, because it's been a while in Revenge of the Sith, the only time Padme's, you know, she's with Anakin, of course. Yes. And she is with Obi-Wan right before he goes to Mustafar. When Obi-Wan finds out, he's like, and I think he senses it, doesn't he? Or he makes a reference. He finds out she is pregnant there.
1: Yeah. He, he, he finds out in some degree. Oh, yeah. he, he, he says they're Anakin's sitting the in her office Anakin's the father, isn't he?
0: So he was close enough. He probably sensed it there. Um, I don't, remember in revenge of the sith if any other jedi were that close to her i don't think so but i could be wrong um i just think they're so distracted i think that they are so you know i mean it keeps bringing up in canon this idea that the sith shrine is underneath the jedi temple so they are just their visions blurry right now like i mean you would hate to think of it this way anakin knew she was pregnant everyone the jedi around anakin they're not reading his mind they're not diving in there and maybe that's more of a dark side thing like i'm thinking of kylo ren um kind of going after Rey's, what's in her memory and Poe's memory mm-hmm. in Force Awakens. So maybe the Jedi try not to prod into your memories or your um, your brain. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I I think it comes down. I think definitely a lot of that plays into it. I think it really comes down to uh, one thing, one person. And I think it's Palpatine. Um, if, if if Palpatine, along with, I think, the, the Sith Temple playing, huge factor. If Palpatine could hide the fact that he is like, the sith master that's been in hiding right under their nose he can hide this um and that's what causes this tension and this drama between obi-wan and anakin and all this deceit and mistrust and all this i think definitely the clone wars again orchestrated by palpatine plays a huge fact in in hiding um in hiding this and i I think palpatine it just that distrust i think was a huge factor for palpatine's plans and uh what he had um, in story, if Palpatine could hide his identity, then uh, keeping Padme and, and um, alive with um, Anakin was a massive part to that he could fall.
0: Yeah, Anakin- for sure. For sure. I think Palpatine, you know, he pulled the strings. If he wanted someone to know something, they were going to know it. If he didn't want them to know, they weren't going to know exactly.
1: it. Exactly. Thank you so much, Will. Great, again, great questions. It's something actually I hadn't thought about, but it is really interesting because a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people, but definitely some people knew about the, the relationship between Anakin and Padme, uh, but I don't think the children were really caught on until the very last second. So again, thank you, Will. Great question. Uh, third question from Shane Bush. Hey guys, I saw this question on another platform and thought you guys would be the perfect crew to ask. By the way, I've been following this channel podcast for two years now. Thank you so much. That is awesome. Brian has put so much work into this, um, along with Jay and the moderators on the Facebook and everything. Done so much. And to the point where now uh, people like Yusef, Steven and I, uh, we can hop and Nick, we can hop on here now and be a part of this uh, great community. Um, uh, What's the part of Galaxy Edge is canon. Since it's like your own adventure, what part is actually happened? Thank you, guys. Steven, you've been dying to talk about this uh, all evening. What what's canon in Galaxy Edge?
0: This is my favorite question of the night. I love all four of them, but this one hits home for me because Galaxy's Edge and, and Disney World are my happy places. Like I was able to go um, in 2019 before everything shut down, and I got to go and experience Galaxy's Edge. And I was telling JG before we started recording, I was there at 5 a.m. because the old system you had to be there before the park opened like two hours to be able to get onto that rise of resistance. Right. Um, you, I was able to spend like 18 hours straight in living in star Wars because you feel like you left Florida. I'm sure California is the same way. Mm. It is so immersive. Like they have, it's called black spire Outpost. You have these massive, um, trees and mountains, cliffs. You cannot see any other part of the park. You can see the sky. That's all you can see. And to be honest, it is a everything you experience is canon. And let me talk about that for a sec. So this all takes place one day between episodes eight and nine. Okay. Um, and basically what happens is every day at Disney, it's, it's a show. Like literally you're walking through a live action performance because it is the same day, just on Groundhog Day, just on repeat. And if you're lucky enough to go today or you go back tomorrow, you're going to experience the same day in this timeline that is official. And so, you know, you've got some different ride experiences. You've got smugglers run where you are literally working for Hondo Onaka and you are working on the Hondo Onaka transport crew and you are smuggling um, for him. And the decisions you make, you know, you've got your pilots, you've got your gunners and your engineers. And basically you need to work together as a six person crew to save the Falcon. And just seeing the Falcon in person, oh my gosh, it is life size. And then you feel like you're actually flying out on it. Okay, I can't, that's all I'm gonna say on that. (laughs) Then you have the Rise of Resistance ride, which is, my opinion, is my favorite ride at Disney. It's so immersive. It's 15 Mm. minutes long. Like, at least. you Usually a ride there, you wait in line for a half hour, 45 minutes, and you ride it for five minutes, it's done. This one is so worth it if you get a chance to do, because there are so much Disney magic, as I like to call it, like things like illusions and optical illusions. You don't understand how they happen. Um, You are literally, you know, taken up into outer space, um, up onto a first- first order star cruiser you fall down like all of this is canon i made a wow. lightsaber they have people that are called junkers that go around and collect it um you make a droid it's canon because again that you're making it you're in this world you're experiencing mm-hmm. it. the workers there that are waiting in the lines with you or that are working the rides they talk to you because they build up their own backstory that fits wow. into the canon you go to Ogus cantina and you actually see the bullet marks from when thrawn and anakin were there during the clone wars oh. They, the amount of detail, like they actually used the original R2 unit from 1977 to leave track marks of an R2 unit through the park in the cement. <laughs> um, I can't talk about it enough because again, you can watch Star Wars all you want. You can read Star Wars all you want to live there for just one day. And I have another trip booked in, in this summer, if all <laughs> goes according to plan, um, to walk through there one day. And then if you go, I highly recommend Shane, you ask this one, there are, there's a five issue mini-series of Marvel comics and galaxy's edge. And it's got like Dr. Afro was there. Han Solo was there. You name it. They were there. And then just to walk there and say, I know it's, it sounds silly. I'm in the same spot that so-and-so was. There are also a series of books. There's at least two. There's a, um, there's one that's an adult aimed with characters from phasma. It's like a sequel to phasma by yes. Marathi. And I got a chance. Like she walks around, she's got purple hair. She's a rebel spy. You get to meet her and you can talk to her. Like after reading the book and talking to her about something from the story, the actors that play these characters they know the story they know the character mm. i mean you want to know it's canon it's all canon i mean, I could go on all night i'm not going yeah. to but i cannot stress enough if you ever get the chance to go to galaxy's edge it is worth every penny it is a dream come true if you're a star wars fan jg what do you want to do when, when you get to go to galaxy's edge
1: everything i cannot wait i've been waiting so long i've actually uh i tried to keep myself like spoiler free so i really like i've seen pictures but I haven't watched videos or anything like, cause I want to make sure that when I go there, like I get hit with that wall of emotion, um, the tears, I want it all. I cannot wait for the first sip of uh, blue milk or green milk. I'm just, I'm so excited. Like I, with celebration next year, hopefully, um, being in California, I plan on going um, to Disneyland. So obviously Galaxy's Edge will be there. Um, so that's definitely the plan. I cannot wait I hear so many good things I hear how it might be a little dramatic but like I hear a lot of people say that it's like very like life-changing that it's very to be very passionate about a franchise and a fandom and then to be able to step forward into that and feel like you're part of it and where you're completely escaped from America that we're very familiar with that has to be one of the most surreal feeling I know that people um uh, in Orlando they have like that Harry Potter experience which is very similar and I hear people say the same thing about that and so I think it, like Steven said it's it's all canon like you're part of it. it it is it is a day it is a canon day in Star Wars and you get to experience it and see that, that you get to be a bystander um, and you get to experience it. and there's the books that we've seen like A Fate of Crash and Spire uh, Outpost I think is the other one it's, it's all part of the story. And what's it's so cool is that because it is a real plan and a real thing, eventually, yeah, maybe in a couple of years, they're going to uh, change or uh, they're going to do a new story for a different day that happens in Black Spire. So even though there might be different characters showing up or a different moment, it, it's still canon. It's just a different day of Black Spire Outpost. So great question. Very excited to go. Uh, every time Steven talks about it, I i'm ready to go now
0: i am glad that they picked a unique planet that has never been seen before in films like i think the original plan was to do Tatooine, and that would have been fine like the the cantina and everything like that java's palace you know they could have done a a pod racer ride whatever but they Mm -hmm. really wanted this to be an experience where you're making your own star wars journey and it's so true um i mean i could go on and on but please get a chance to go and even if you're going with people that aren't big into star wars it's so immersive, it's so detailed, and the rides are so engaging that even if you're slightly familiar with Star Wars, you'll love it. If there's one thing, like you said, JG, I think at some point they might have to update it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's already out, not, I don't want to say outdated, but, you know, Kylo Ren walks around as Kylo Ren with this first order. So you've got Ray and Chewbacca working on the Falcon. Like there are some things that you have to put your mind, mindset into the fact that this is literally between episode eight and nine, there are yeah. references to it um but i get a chance to go it's it'll be worth it it's amazing that's all i can say
1: definitely thank you so much for your question shane uh, we really do appreciate that and finally uh but not least we have uh, jenna harman uh states uh dear star wars canon podcast crew i was wondering where ray got her yellow kyber crystal from is it ever addressed in the novel uh, of the film or in a reference book somewhere Keep being the best Star Wars fans out there. We should all strive to be you guys. We really appreciate it. Um, we all very much want positivity and just be able to have conversations and talk about the fandom that uh, that we do love so much. Steven, what about that gosh darn yellow kyber crystal that is so elusive that we can't find anything about?
0: Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it, at the end there? Um, yeah. I, you know, as far as I know, and we looked before we started this call, we don't think it was referenced how she got the kyber crystal. Um, we looked. I looked in the uh, DK Last Jedi Visual Dictionary by Pablo Hidalgo, and those usually come out the day of the release of the film, so they really don't try to spoil the ex- ending. Or like, there wasn't a lot about Palpatine in there, mm-hmm. and so whether we get an updated, you know, character encyclopedia or who knows, maybe at some point that'll be told. I was telling JG, I really think that's a story that we should find out. Maybe hopefully in a novel or a comic book, like. We know that we see that ending where it sounds like it's fading to black, where everyone's hugging um, at the end after the battle on Rise of Skywalker. But there's a time jump. I don't know if it's a couple of weeks, couple months before Ray ends up back on Tatooine for the very last scene of the film in the, in the Skywalker saga. I want that story to be told. Um, I think there's so much uh, Ray on a journey. You know, both of her mentors are gone. She's on her own, she's trying to figure out what she's going to do next. She has to find the Kyber crystal wherever she finds it. Um, I want to see that story, whether it's in some medium. What about you, JG? What do you want to see?
1: Yeah, I'm very excited to see that story. Uh, Anything more with Ray? I'm just very excited for. Um, I tried to pull up actually because I just had this thought. Now I pulled up the the lightsaber book that came out about a couple months ago. Um, The only thing that it really says here, it just it says uh, Ray built her lightsaber using pieces from a familiar weapon, the quarterstaff she carried while living as a junk scavenger on 2. The staff which Ray carried along slung across her back when not in use. Uh, And that keeps going on. Backstory. Um, But it doesn't talk about the crystal. Um, And then it says in the movie, Ray's lightsaber projects a yellow blade. Although this is a first for live action Star Wars, the Jedi Temple guards used it in animation. Um, So it it could be a story we see
0: one day. Um, Do you think the yellow, because you mentioned the Jedi guards at the temple, is mm -hmm. yellow supposed to represent the fact that they're like keep protecting and is she supposed to be like the protector of the light side protector of the Jedi going forward I mean is that symbolic there or
1: even protector of the galaxy you could even say at that point like she's taken down the big bad of like the, the franchise of what we've seen so far mm-hmm. Um there is at this point no major evil obviously there's probably still remnants of the first order um, remnants of the final order um things like that but for the most part she is now being the fact that she is the only established Jedi that we know of at this point. Remember,
0: she's all the Jedi.
1: She is all the Jedi. Mm-hmm. She is the final, like, she is the protector of the galaxy. Not even just like the Jedi Order, but also like the galaxy as a whole. So definitely a lot of symbolism there. How she got it. She probably there's probably some sort of journey, some sort of story that if they want to tell, they they will. I see it more though as something small though. So like if they were to continue telling Ray's story, I see it as like a flashback. Like we actually see. A small portion of that story. It's not like a long episode or mm-hmm. a major part of a movie. It's like a flashback.
0: Yeah, if Ray's story is going to go on, which I think it will at some point, whether that's five, ten, fifteen years down the road, whenever, um, we're not going to tread on that. I I think that would be where you do like you said a flashback, or more than likely, you're going to get like a prequel novel that fills in some of yeah. the gaps of what happened bef- between nine and what eventually will be Ray's story here ten or whatever yeah. it will be. But yeah, I think that was a good question. I I hope we get more because it was kind of again it was came out of nowhere when she buries uh luke and leia's lightsaber and that'll be something who knows if that'll ever be picked up again literally um who knows i think there's a lot of story to be told with ray between at the end of rise of the skywalker and going forward
1: yeah i think uh i think they're going to definitely focus a lot of the high republic moving forward but i think definitely um once that starts to conclude i think we can start to see um there's some possibilities for this story to move forward after, uh, the rise of Skywalker. And that will obviously really heavily focus on Ray. Um, I think, I think she is, uh, definitely, uh, very excited to come back as we've heard last week. Um, I think it's just a matter of uh, when not, if any other uh, thoughts, uh, tonight, Steven.
0: No, I had a really great time podcasting with you. We had some great questions and great topics and hopefully we can get together and do this again soon.
1: Definitely. It was a really great evening. Lots of great questions, lots of great topics. Um, If you want more content, check out our Patreon and head over to our Discord server. Links will be in the description of the episode wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, For myself, Stephen, along with the other hosts who aren't with us this evening, thank you guys so much for listening, and may the Force be with you.